Hey, Chicago Fire fans, this is Nick with the Feed the Fire podcast, where we are talking all things Chicago Fire and Major League Soccer. In today's episode, we are previewing the Chicago Fire's next matchup, a Sunday afternoon stroll in the park. Not really. A big matchup against Eastern Conference title contender, at least in their own minds, the Five Stripes of Atlanta United. We're going to look at the potential lineups, break down some of the players on both sides, and after looking at the odds, I will give you my picks and predictions in this game. So stay tuned as we talk all things Chicago Fire. Welcome back, Fire fans, to another episode of Feed the Fire, brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. I'm your host, Nick, and I am happy to be talking with you at time of recording. It's a Wednesday night. I'm sorry, it's a Thursday night. Man, the days are just running together, right? Especially as we get ready for the Chicago Fire's next match, like I said, a Sunday afternoon game, April 23rd. 3.30 kickoff down in Atlanta. I will not be calling it Hotlanta because then just the, the whiteness of my skin would be palpable through the podcast and YouTube platforms here. Uh, before we break down everything, I'm going to remind everyone to make sure you follow us on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and would love to get a review or rating from you as well. Uh, you can find us on social media at Glasshouse Soccer. And you can email me at glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. And now let's get right into it. The Saganaki Cup, as I am calling it. Since we have two hot Greek strikers here, uh, Giacomakis for Atlanta coming in on a four-game scoring streak, and Yorgos Kutsias for the Chicago Fire, who has had some really solid performances and was just had a couple shots go begging in Chicago's last match, that 2-2 disappointing draw to the Philadelphia Union. Uh, speaking of the Chicago Fire, as we always do, we got to check in on the injury front. Uh, per Joe Chats of ONTAP Sportsnet, uh, he was at their Wednesday practice. Federico Navarro, Carlos Tehran, Jaron Shakiri, Jairo Torres uh, were all participating in that practice. Uh, Kai Kamara was in concussion protocols but should be cleared for the game. Uh, and, of course, for the latest, uh, make sure that you are following along on MLSsoccer.com on their injury tracker. Uh, that usually gets released Friday afternoons. And so you can see exactly who's going to be listed as out, probable, questionable, and make sure you're following along on social media uh, for all of the latest injury news. Uh, I don't know if Gaston Jimenez is going to be in or out. That is going to be kind of a, a Friday afternoon, Saturday decision, uh, maybe even a game time decision. But like I said in the last episode, I would bench him just to send a message of discipline. The way that he was yelling at Jim Curtin and mixing it up with the Philadelphia Union bench when he was already subbed out for potential injury on the and on the fire bench. He even got a yellow card for it. Like, you cannot have that. The coaching staff needs to send a message. Even if he is healthy, he should be benched. And if he's not healthy, keep him on the bench and nowhere near any of the other younger, more uh, susceptible to his influence players. Now, that being said, I, I do expect, other than Jimenez, uh, to have the full complement of players. 
And so I would expect Ezra Hendrickson to come out in his usual 4-2-3-1 formation just because Ezra likes it. He doesn't like change. He has tinkered a little bit this season with some more defensive formations, especially after picking up the lead uh, against Minnesota United. We saw him go to a uh, 4-5-1 or even a 5-4-1, depending on where, where the wingers were playing at that point in time. But against Atlanta, it might not be a bad idea to sit more defensively in a 4-4-2 or even a 4-5-1. Now, I was thinking about that. How would I approach this game if I'm Ezra Hendrickson, if I were the head coach and had to come up with a lineup and tactics to be effective against a very potent Atlanta offense, as well as a very good defense? I thought sitting defensive would be a mistake and, and giving Atlanta the possession would be a mistake. But really, I'm not sure how the Chicago Fire compete going toe-to-toe and getting burned on the counter, uh, or if they're just sitting in defense allowing Atlanta to have possession, right? I almost feel like that episode of Ted Lasso when they're going up against West Ham, and they're like, well, if we do this, we're screwed. If we do that, we're screwed. And if we do this other thing, yeah, we're also screwed. We can't win this game. I, I almost feel that's how the fire are coming into this Atlanta United match. But really, the question's got to start with, will we see Brian Gutierrez and Jordan Shakiri together starting a game together? Last week, we saw Shakiri sub in for Brian Gutierrez in about the 65th minute or so. And Shakiri was able to have an effect on the game, though not on the score sheet. He had a lot of excellent passes, and he looks to be building a pretty good rapport with striker Yorgos Kutsias, at least from you know 30 minutes of gameplay. I can I'll make that wide sweeping statement, right? But I think if they're both fit, they both need to be on the pitch. They're clearly your two best midfielders. No offense to Chris Mueller or Marin Haile Selassie, but those guys need to be operating more offensively on the wings, in the channels, in the corners, and and allowing Gutierrez and Shakiri to find them, and allowing uh, and pulling de- the defense wide, and allowing Shakiri to play those beautiful crosses or those you know inch perfect passes up the middle to Kai Kamara, Yorgos Kutsias, Casper Shabilko, Victor Bezerra, who is out with injury, but hopefully whenever he returns, right. If they're both fit, they give the fire not only the ability to unlock that Atlanta defense a little bit, but they can control the pace of the game and maybe slow it down a little bit. We've seen Gutierrez be able to have some on-the-ball movement, progress the ball with his dribbling as much as his passing, and he may be able to control things, slow things down. Similarly, if Federico Navarro is back in that center defensive mid-roll, most likely paired with Fabian Herbers, who's been starting, those guys should be able to really kind of maintain some possession in the middle third of the field, slow the game down, and then allow Shakiri and Gutierrez to pick apart the defense with their passing. That's what I would love to see, but I just haven't been able to see the fire as a possession dominant team, nor I feel like they want to spring quick attacks, counterattacks if they can, turning the opposition over in the midfield, then having Gutierrez and Shakiri lob that ball over the top or or ping one into the wings, right? And then you can get Mueller and Haile Selassie to use their individual skill and create something offensively. It hasn't been happening. As we've noted in the past, they are not creating high percentage chances or high percentage shots. In fact, the fire uh, are, are underperforming their, their expected goals, I believe. And honestly, if you take out a couple 
shots a game, their expected goals numbers are way, way low. So maybe they're overperforming it. Come to think of it, I haven't looked specifically at that yet. Uh, but I will do so before next episode. Regardless, regardless of all of that, the offense is not producing goals, not producing shots on target, especially not producing high percentage shots. And I don't know if this Atlanta game away Atlanta is going to be anything to, to change that. Now, shifting from offense to defense, looking along the back line, I am, I am well beyond Miguel Navarro starting right now. I think Jonathan Dean needs to start. Miguel Navarro uh, may be the better talented outside back for the Chicago Fire. He may be the one Ezra trusts, but I sure don't trust him. After him coming in with a boneheaded challenge against Philadelphia to lead to the penalty kick, last week and you know he's good for one of those every single game i the margins of error are so slim for the chicago fire like we said they're not scoring enough they're not providing enough offensive opportunity and with Tehran and chios playing almost flawless center back play in order to keep the fire on this five game unbeaten streak you need to have someone who is just solid in the back. And I I think Jonathan Dean can be that guy. He is probably an average, maybe slightly above average two-way player as well and can maybe give you a little bit on the offense. I'm okay with Suquette starting as uh, the outside right back, especially if Shakiri ends up starting on kind of the right side of that midfield, maybe a little bit right on the wing with Haile Selassie, possibly. Um, Then you can get... Uh, and you know what, if, if Shakiri starting, Haile Selassie probably isn't, scratch that. Um, but Suquette would not have to push the attack then if Shakiri is starting out on the wing on that right-hand side, uh, and he won't get caught out of position defensively as we have seen him uh, be accustomed to a couple times over the last several games. So again, you got to get Guti and you got to get Shakiri on the pitch together. Uh, you may be sitting more of a, a defensive shape a defensive formation and try and uh you know relieve some of the pressure with possession in the midfield and then shuffle up your back line a little bit where you know you're going to have solid play from Dean and Suquette and not have to worry about boneheaded tackles by Navarro or Suquette failing to track back we'll see how Tehran feels if Olmsberg comes in if Kendall Burks ends up getting the start I would be very disappointed in Ezra Hendrickson and his decision overall decision-making because we saw what happened last week when Burks got in. Two goals also got let in. Now flipping the side of the field over to Atlanta United, few players you got to keep your eye on. I already mentioned striker uh, Yorgos Giacomakis coming over from Greece in the offseason. He actually is pushing for an MLS record most uh, consecutive games to start your MLS career with a goal. He has scored in his first four MLS games. Uh, Taylor Twelman holds the record uh, at six. So Twelman scored in his first six matches. Uh, Yakumakis could then score in his first five matches and kind of hold that on his own. I think there's a handful of other players who scored in their first four. Um, Yakumakis did come off the pitch in their last match against TFC. Uh, but it's been reported he was doing some individual work at practice this week and may be available for the Sunday game. That extra day is definitely helping out both squads having to go on Sunday instead of Saturday. And I wonder if this is a little bit of a change up with the Apple broadcasting, if they're responding to a lot of the fan 
outrage, is that the right word, or the fan constructive feedback, perhaps, where it's great that we can watch every single game with the season pass, but we can't watch every single game even with the season pass if they're all played at the same time at the same day. So hopefully we start to see a few more games get pushed out onto Sunday and perhaps even a Friday or Monday game if they could figure out uh, to keep it fair for the scheduling. Also, you got to note Tiago Almada, the front runner for MLS MVP. Uh, he missed last week, but will be back this week against the Chicago Fire. Woo, lucky Fire for that. Um, but pretty much the entire Atlanta United offense runs through him. He is crushing it. He is playing so well. He's scoring bangers. He's feeding assists. He's dribbling. He's passing. He is doing every little and big thing for Atlanta United when he is on the pitch. And hopefully, if Chicago ends up trying to clog the middle, as we saw them do uh, in games in the past, uh, I believe against Miami, that was one thing they tried to do. Uh, and Ezra Hendrickson made sure to say it in the post game. We put our two defensive boxes right in the middle of the field. Maybe that can slow down Diego Almada a little bit. But you also have to account for then the wing play, uh, the wing back play of Caleb Wiley and Andrew Goodman. I want to highlight Caleb Wiley real quick. 18 years old. He's either going to be buzzing after getting called up for the USMNT match versus Mexico and getting his first official cap for the senior team uh, game played last night on Wednesday night, or he may see limited minutes depending on how he's feeling after that game. Uh, I say the 18-year-old still got legs with him, but that's just because my 38-year-old self with my 58-year-old knees uh, could not be doing what he's doing. But regardless, he's becoming a great outlet uh, for Almada, uh, we've seen defenses start to collapse on Almada a little bit, and he's been able to find Wiley uh, out on the wings or making a cutting run to the center of the box and converting it, having his own assist numbers as well. Now, statistically, Atlanta poses a huge problem for the Chicago Fire, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They are third in the league in goals, second in the league in assists, and Atlanta is one of the best passing teams in major league soccer especially on long balls they have one of, i think they have the highest completion percentage of long distance passes in the league so we know they like to counterattack. we know that their goalkeepers and center backs like to play the long balls over the top attacking right away this could maybe not be as big of a factor if brad guzan is out and i think he is out yes i will say it he is out for this game on sunday picked up a pretty bad injury um, so that number could go down a little bit, but I don't think it's going to change as much uh, of the strategy. If you're the goalkeeper and you're playing long balls out of the back, whether you're the number one, number two, or third string keeper, you, you're going to be playing that same style. So the fire are going to have to really maintain their defensive shape, things they have struggled with. They have struggled defending counterattacks and defending quick attacks by the opposition. They are pulled in every which direction. They don't know who to mark, don't know what position to get to. And that allows those shots from inside 10 yards, which at that point you can't fault Chris Brady if he can't save every single one of them. But also we know Tiago Almada has like inside the stadium passing range and apparently inside the stadium shooting range uh, as well. So he is going to be pinging balls all over the pitch and we've got to look out for it as fire defenders. Additionally, we know Caleb Wiley, Andrew Gutman, Brooks Lennon. These are all guys who can get forward, join the attack, uh, and absolutely the talent to do something when they get into attacking position. So the Fire are going to have to play a near flawless game 
in all defensive aspects if they hope to come out of Mercedes-Benz Stadium with at least a point. And real talk here, Fire fans, they need a point in Atlanta. Atlanta is one of the hardest places to play in MLS, from the crowd to the turf. We don't need to get into that, as well as to the team that suits up. It's one of the hardest places to play in Atlanta. And if the Fire can come out with a point, then they can really say, hey, six games unbeaten, six-game point streak. We can hang with the best of them in the worst environments. We are not just going to squeak into the playoffs in that expanded ninth spot, but we can actually play for a fourth, fifth, or sixth seed. At worst here, the Fire need a respectable performance, even in a loss. That way, Ezra can do his whole, well, we almost won it. We played really well. You you know, you can never be uh, shocked when you lose in Atlanta kind of a thing. Go into the U.S. Open Cup this week. Beat up on amateur team Chicago House. No disrespect to Chicago House. I'm just saying kind of upbeat scenarios here for the Chicago Fire. And then next weekend, get ready for their MLS match against Red Bulls. You know, six-pointer, if you want to use the vernacular, right? If you want to take three points against the team who you're going to be possibly, probably in a playoff race for, could be a six-pointer game here already at this point in the season. So you that's kind of the the, the positivity, kind of worst best case, I guess, in my in my mind. But the worst case scenario is the fire come out with like a four-nothing defeat or like a five or six-one defeat down in Atlanta pick up another couple injuries and the season turns, right? I've said they've been on thin margins and a crushing loss at Atlanta right now, the entire season could turn and it would just be the fire trying not to drown and then eventually drowning by the end of the season. I guess the only real saving grace is if that does happen, they've got the month off in the summer for leagues cup and could maybe use that to rejuvenate a little bit, get some mojo going. All right, before I get into the odds of my predictions, we got to look at a little trivia here. Thank you, MLSsoccer.com, for letting us know that the home team is 9-1-1 in this series. Ooh, history is not on the Fire's side. And a little bit of Kai Kamara trivia here. We know he's already played for 10 teams. Atlanta is only one of the four teams he has not scored against. So not only has Kai traveled and been around the league and been scoring goals and lots of goals at that, Atlanta is only one of four teams he has not scored against. I'm going to guess Kai knows that, and maybe he's going to use that as a little bit of motivating factor uh, should he be starting or getting into this game. As I mentioned, the odds here per bet MGM. Now, this is as of Thursday afternoon. Who knows how this is going to change when the injury report comes out, though I'm pretty sure uh, the odds makers are, are fairly on top of who is in and out at this point. Uh, and especially the fact that they're playing in Atlanta. Yeah, the odds are not in favor of the fire here, folks. Atlanta is at minus 165. The draw is getting plus 310. And Chicago to win plus 380. Those are some pretty poor odds against the fire there. Uh, But on the flip side, Atlanta's got two points in their last two matches, road draws to NYC and TFC, giving up some late goals. So the fire might be able to pull something off here. If they can fight, play the full 90 and continue to keep the pressure on Atlanta. And I guess there's a trend around MLS, at least if not world soccer, that those late 
game goals, those stoppage time goals tend to come in the most unlikeliest of moments. Maybe the fire have something like that. I don't think they do, though. So to give you my actual prediction here, I think Atlanta is going to come in and win this one three to one, uh, at least three to one, if not four or five. Play the over if you're a betting betting person uh, for for this total here. I just think at home with Omada coming back, even with Brad Guzan uh, not playing in this game. Atlanta's just too good and too talented. The fire are going to be in flux again uh, in that central midfield, depending on Jimenez's health status. I think they're going to still be adapting to Gutierrez and Shakiri trying to play together. And I just don't think that a combination of all of that, plus a little bit of travel, is going to help the fire out at all. So I'm saying 3-1 Atlanta at best. All right, Fire fans, let me know what you think in the comments uh, via email or social media. Before we wrap up, a few other notes here that are affecting the Chicago Fire. The U-20 World Cup is coming up May 20th to June 11th down in Argentina after Indonesia was stripped of its hosting duties. Uh, Big story there if, if you haven't been following it. Indonesia was awarded the U-20 World Cup by FIFA. Israel qualified for the U-20 World Cup. Indonesia refused to admit them into the country uh, because of religious reasons. And so FIFA stripped Indonesia of hosting them, gave it to Argentina, who did not qualify for the U-20 World Cup, and now I think gets in as a host nation. I have to confirm that, but a wild story, a crazy turn of events. Uh, Let's just hope that all the players who are there are safe and performing to the top of their abilities. But why is this relevant to the Chicago Fire? Because Chris Brady, our starting goalkeeper, and Brian Gutierrez, starting center midfielder, should be getting call-ups from the U.S. under-20s. And depending on when the camp is before, depending on how far the the U.S. advance, the fire could be without these players for four, maybe six matches if if the U.S. gets to the finals. Uh, I really hope Brian Gutierrez ends up taking the call up and going. I think this is nothing but great experience for him. He's going to be playing with some of the best youth players in the United States, but also up against this opposition talent that is the next wave of bright young footballing stars. And I think it's going to be a great experience for him. Uh, from a talent perspective, on the field perspective, but also he needs to be in high-pressure moments. He has not had that with the Chicago Fire. They have not been fighting for a playoff spot realistically. They have not been in any big U.S. Open Cup games. You know, after last year getting embarrassed by Union Omaha in the Fire's first match, he hasn't really been in these really high-pressure situations. Maybe as a youth player in the Fire Academies coming up, but not yet, and I think this would do a world of good for him. Chris Brady, you know, anytime you're training with the best, it's it's great, uh, but would he be best served staying home, starting games for the Chicago Fire and training with the Fire, or would he be best served going down and slotting into the number two spot behind former Fire teammate Gaga Slonina, who is the kind of penciled-in number one uh, for the U.S under 20 team. So we'll see what Brady decides to do. Heck, if if Atlanta lights him up for five or six goals, then maybe he takes the call up just to get away. Who knows? Keep an eye on this stuff, Fire fans. A couple other quick things. U.S. Open Cup, Chicago Fires taking on Chicago House of the Midwest Premier League Wednesday, April 26th. 
debating whether or not I'm going to make it out to that game. It would be great to get out to see Keegan see a U.S. Open Cup game there. Uh, if you're going, drop a comment, send a message. We can get a group together. I'm sure there's going to be tons of fire supporters there. And also, speaking of supporters, fire fans, the Chicago Fire as an organization is having a supporters town hall meeting Wednesday, May 3rd. Go find the details on the Chicago Fire website. It's going to be at the Fire Pitch over on Talman Avenue. And it's going to be led by Garrett Drexler, the director of club engagement, CJ Brown, Junior Gonzalez, the assistant coaches will be there, Paul Codwell, the SVP of community programs, and Evan Whitfield, the VP of equity, alumni relations and engagement will also be there on the panel. I, I'm I'm guessing this is going to be more about fan engagement than it is going to be about actual operations and performance on the field, because if you open that door, then you're just going to get slammed. It's going to get out of control. A riot's going to brew. Things are going to get lit on fire. It's going to be insane. But I do think Chicago Fire fans, for the most part, will comport themselves well and and provide some good constructive feedback, especially on the fan engagement fire side, uh, fan engagement side of things. So make sure you check that out uh, if you can. Now, from around the league, some notable matches I am watching. Cincinnati is hosting Portland. This is interesting just because of last week's results. Cincinnati gets smoked 5-1 to one by St. Louis. And Portland, after going down a goal early to Seattle, their rival ends up dropping four unanswered and winning that match 4-1. to one. That was the match that Portland could turn their season around on. And the drubbing by St. Louis could be the match that turns FC Cincinnati's season from potential supporter shield winner to maybe we'll finish top five or six in the Eastern Conference, depending on how they recover and how, you know, maybe they sell Brenner. That's all but done, uh, I guess. So we'll see how they respond to it. But can the Timbers take advantage of some momentum? And can FC Cincinnati regain some momentum? And I I just think these cross-conference games are so intriguing because you're not really giving up points to anyone who is going to directly affect your playoff seating. But at the same time, you can't just mail it in. You've got to get a result out of it. Also, I think Colorado versus St. Louis is going to be intriguing for similar reasons. Can Colorado pick up some of their momentum after their, uh, after their two match point streak? And can St. Louis continue their momentum after drubbing FC Cincinnati? Also, uh, just for entertainment value, Nashville versus LAFC. Again, non-conference opponents, but will Nashville be up for it after their heartbreak loss to NYCFC? Will they be up for the challenge to take on the defending champs? And will LAFC come on out and try to dominate and score three, four goals against a team that's no longer in their conference? So uh, that that one to me is just the entertainment match. And with that, we're going to wrap up things here for this episode of Feed the Fire, a Chicago Fire podcast. Make sure that you're following on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review, subscribe on YouTube, and above all, enjoy all the matches this weekend. Let's go fire.